0: Some people see like a, a train track or something. Everyone's got a different perception of time. And so essentially um, with timeline, you, I work with clients to perceive their timeline and we notice whether they're actually stood on their timeline or stood next to it because that's also interesting. Like, so I'm disassociated from my timeline. I see it, I'm not on it. <laughs> so, but then then like if someone's got a problem, like say, I'm not lovable. Okay, so we'd explore that belief And the idea of timeline is to take them forwards and back along their timeline, almost like time travel in like a TARDIS or something. And you get them to go to identify the first time they had that thought, the first time they created that belief about themselves, like, I'm not lovable. And you got to accentuate the positive.
1: You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello, and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain always a blessing to be with you all again. Look at this beautiful woman I've got to introduce you to. Isn't she gorgeous? Her name is Louisa Tanner Munson. Welcome to the show, Louisa.
0: Thank you for such a beautiful welcome. Good morning.
1: (laughs) I'm a bit of a fan of Louisa. She's such a gorgeous light worker, honestly. Um, she had me on her show a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. When was it? A few weeks ago? It was ago? about six
0: weeks ago. <laughs>
1: Is it six weeks ago? Oh
0: yes, yeah, it was.
1: When you're yeah, having fun. And we had a great old gas bag on her show and I, oh, I don't know said a few things can't even remember what I said now but it was fun a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> and Louisa like everyone I've been interviewing lately is one of our speakers for the Higher Self Expo during the European leg of the journey because Luisa is in Portugal.
0: <laughs> yes uh, good morning from Portugal <laughs> good morning. Like I'm in um, the Eurovision Song Contest because that's how they do it isn't they good uh, good evening from wherever you're calling from yeah it's international isn't it? Yeah, so it's
1: 3 o'clock in the afternoon here in Sydney, Australia, and 6 a.m. for Louisa. (laughs) She interviewed me also at 6 a.m., and it's hilarious because she had the baby on the
0: breast. (laughs) I may may actually end up with a baby on my breast. shortly
1: (laughs) I just thought that was fabulous a classic just classic I tell you no no rest for the light weavers of this world during this great time of transition but let me tell you a little bit about Louisa she's just amazing A Brit living in Portugal with a husband and three children, Louisa bridges the magic and the everyday with a practical blend of astrology, channeling, NLP and subliminal coaching. Louisa trained in hypnosis, neuro-linguistic programming, timeline therapy, counselling and Reiki and focuses on self-healing, right mindset and futuring when working with you, small businesses and entrepreneurs. A clairvoyant and clairsentient intuitive channeler, Louisa is a Sagittarius, moon in Pisces, (laughs) ascendant in Scorpio, (laughs) who has been hooked on astrology since she was six years old. Family comes first always, Louisa says, having lived in five countries, UK, France, Italy, Bali and Portugal. She's worked as a coach and presenter, presenter and trainer for over 15 years for UK blue chip companies like banks, charities, adult education and other such organization. And she says, I'm practicing outing myself as a channel at the moment. (laughs) she says it's how I was as a child when I was very young I had misgivings about the world I was growing up in it took me a long time to make sense of what I observed and knew as a child I would see things hear things and feel things that others couldn't perceive my life has been an exploration of walking the tightrope between freely being me, a spiritual being I knew myself to be, and being an accepted member of the world. It took me a long time to grow into confidence, into being a bit different. And so I've experimented with living in and out of reality at the same time. As a young adult, Louisa trained in astrology, hypnotherapy and NLP, because it seemed like the least woo-woo thing to do she says and was the most closely aligned to how she felt at the time but truthfully she says i'm a channel when i look at a chart i do interpret yes i do interpret the patterns but really it's just an entry point into the consciousness of the chart situation and the person same when i look at someone's face or a palm and handwriting i find myself being pulled into the energy of it As we go through this time of global awakening, I have felt stirred into action, she says, a bit like a calling. I feel ready to be counted on as a guide for our intuition and working more closely with the cosmic cycles. And you can find out more about Louisa at feelgoodastrology.com Yeah, so you're one of these total psychic kids, right?
0: Yes, yes, definitely.
1: Yeah. (laughs) and your kids must be the same. You must be experiencing that too. Are they the same as what you were?
0: I don't know. Actually, um, I think I think they are, um, but then not living in the same sort of situation. So um, the the way we live, they're just in a, a kind of place of total acceptance. They're not going to school, you know, where they would have polarity and stuff. Um, they don't sleep in their own bedrooms you know, where they might have those like slightly scary moments. We've kind of, we, we live a very sort of integrated life where sort of homeschoolers, homesteaders, um, you know, always together. And that sounds really kind of codependent, but actually it really works for us. Um, and so like nothing seems out of the ordinary, you know, they're very, they're really kind and caring kids. Um, and we talk about all sorts of stuff that I don't expect children to talk about, but I've not actually really seen them, tune into anything per se um because we're always together it's not like they're kind of wandering like my eldest who's nine is starting to exhibit um, a little bit you know he drifts off and you can see he's you know concentrating on something or if, I, I heard him having a conversation with some friends and um one of them was saying something about another friend a mutual friend and saying oh he's mean isn't he and, and my son said well maybe Maybe that's just what you're thinking right now, you know, <laughs> and he was like, let's talk about it, and I think, oh my goodness he's he's really like reflective, he's nine, I think he was eight at the time, so yeah, I think I'm raising reflective kids, um, and I think they'll they'll you know come into it um oh, beautiful I think like with my parents like they they identified things straight away that didn't feel quite right, like if I was dreamy or I felt things when we went into houses um and apparently when we used to go into houses like when my mom and dad wanted to move home, um, and I would obviously cry if I didn't want to be there, but where there was um, a sense of peace, they also said there was this kind of smell that a kind of arrived in the house, like an amber kind of smell, and it always seemed to be around me, and huh. when I was at peace, um, and so they would, you know, like they chose the house that, you know, I felt most comfortable in, and so they noticed that and thought that was weird, but Um, What I remember mostly was, you know, just being told things like, "Mm, I don't think that's real or I don't think, you know, what you're saying doesn't exist. You know, I used to see things um, around me as I used to go to bed at night, um, which was pretty scary. Um, And, you know, my parents couldn't understand it because, Mm. you know, it wasn't part of their reality, obviously. And they they did their best and stuff. But I, I was terrified of going to bed sometimes. And So with our children, they've always had their own bedroom, but, you know, they've always chosen to sleep in us. So we've got like bunk beds and a big bed for me and my husband and our small child, our smallest one. Um, And that way, you know, I can monitor if they're being sort of like creeped out by anything in the night, you know. Um, Yeah,
1: I think kids are creeped out because they're not told it's possible to actually see spirit. I remember my best friend who actually ended up killing herself when she was in her late 30s. She told me when she was a child that she used to wake up at night see all these people standing around the bed that used to completely terrify her and freak her out. But she was just really psychic. I used to be totally fascinated with psychic ability and I used to drag her along to all these psychic things and channelers and stuff. I remember taking her to a channeler and a channeler said to her, oh, you can do what I do. And I was so pissed off because the channeler didn't say that to me and I knew that I was here <laughs> to do that, but she told my friend who was totally not interested in it. But I just reckon that kids are not told that this is a part of our reality, so they're just t- completely terrified by it. So, yeah. so your kids have never said, they've never, you know, chatted to their special friends or
0: st- oh, oh, oh well, invisible <laughs> friends. See, this is the thing, like everything is kind of normal in our house. And so I don't really like think, oh, that's unusual. Um, Our little boy, um, when we were very young, just before I gave birth to um, uh, my daughter, I was upset about something I can't remember you know what it's like when you're about to give birth and you get really hyper emotional so something was really going crazy and in my emotions and I was sobbing my heart out and and he he was only three or four and he put his hands on me he said don't worry mum my other mummy used to get emotional and and it's okay and I said oh <laughs> what are you talking about and um you said oh yeah I've got another mummy and and I said really where um and he said oh in Africa I've got my African family. And then he started to talk about his brothers and sisters and um, and that he came from a really big family and not all of them made it. Um, and there were some bits that he, you know, he kind of didn't want to talk about and um, and some bits that he was a bit vague in because he was like three or four. And he kept this, he kept talking about his African family for months. And we, we were trying to ask him questions and get more out of him. But the moment we were asking, he he kind of shied it's up a little bit. Up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then later on, he um later on um he said, I've got a secret, mummy. And I said, Oh, what's that? And he said, My African family doesn't exist. I made it up. <laughs> And to this day, I don't know if it's actually true or not. I actually think it was true. Yeah. And then he was thinking, is that reality actually possible? Right. And then he got a bit conscious of, you know, being here. And I was like, oh, maybe not. But to this yeah. day, I don't know. And, and if I talk about it, he says, shut up, mummy. <laughs> he doesn't wow. want me to say anything. So He's really kind so of- So how old is he now? Nine. Okay. But he- He's, he's a real angel. I mean, like when I was pregnant, I actually heard him speak to me um, right the way through the pregnancy. So um, I had, um, uh, first of all, my husband and I started having prophetic dreams, like the same kind of dream, the same themes each night. And we'd wake up in the morning and say, oh, and it felt like while we were pregnant, well, I was pregnant with him, that we were kind of being upgraded or something, mm. like something in- incredible was going on to prepare us for him. And um, I remember running or being at a workshop um, to do with um, astrology and spirituality. And this is like t- 10 years ago now, I guess. And um, somebody came up to me mid-time um, during the break and said, um, your, your son, he's, he's described how he wants his birthing plan to be. And she just described what I already knew and had already put in place that he wanted like a crystal grid and <laughs> to me, for me to be chanting in Sanskrit. Um, which you know for the first part of it i was and it was really really calm and it was really bizarre that she said it and then i was at another workshop and all of a sudden i heard this voice inside my head say mum say hello to everyone i really like the people here and i said oh. back to him in my head i can't do that because these people think i'm weird this is a bit of a theme with me <laughs> outing myself and um and then somebody came up to me and said um this is sound really strange but your son just said hello to me <laughs> And and I was pregnant with him. So like he actually was able to communicate to other people, but he's not really showing it at the moment. You know, wow. but when, it, when he does, um, when he does, then yeah, I'll be there to guide him. The thing about kids is it takes a lot
1: of you know, patience and focus to bring up children. There's lots to do, you've got to feed them, you've got to wash their clothes, you've got to, you know, educate them. So yeah time is not always your own. And I really wish that I had explored more with my daughter when she was young, her psychic abilities. I did to some extent, but then I was busy. So I didn't, And I only had one, you've got three. And I get that, you know, time gets away, but I, I think that, you know, just asking them questions. Like I remember taking my daughter, to meet her spirit guides and she just did it so effortlessly you know she's 30 now and she still does it so effort like when i take her into meditation and just take her you know places to she's just so amazing at it she's so and yet she never thinks to do it in her daily life like never thinks to call on that you know guidance or yeah it's just, she's but she's so amazing at it mm. But she still thinks it's kind of woo-woo. She loves doing it with me. But then when it comes to, like, her normal life, she's like, oh, I don't want to seem strange around these other people. (laughs) (laughs) Not strange like my mother. But, but yeah, I kind of regret not doing that more when she was little, just asking her more questions and, you know, taking her on journeys and stuff. Anyway, because they have so much access that
0: they just don't talk about. Really? Yeah they really do um I did notice that you know when when my kids were sleeping when they woke up they were really upset usually you know as yeah. a small baby and it was it was like oh I'm back here um and and all I could imagine was you know that they actually had these sort of outer body experiences you know those moments where babies actually appear to be dead you know like yeah. <laughs> you're, you're looking at them and they're not breathing and you, you you have that moment, of thinking, oh my God, my, my baby's passed away. And, and, um, and then, I, like, you know, I, I put my hand on their chest and all of a sudden they kind of really kind of wake up. Um, I, I actually think they get so still that they are actually traveling somewhere. Uh, you know, I, I'll never know this for sure, but, um, yeah, I mean, we talk about God and spirituality, not like, you know, God as a particular person, but these, these kids have got a concept of it. Um, and we're not like actively teaching it but they have a sense that there is something behind everything and they're fascinated by animals and stones and flowers and stuff and they sense the power they want to make healing potions and things like that um so we'll see uh, i'm really open to you know helping them they're gonna feel fairly weird anyway because they don't really go to school so, <laughs> so what at some do point, they? they're gonna be like oh my goodness i'm yeah. so different to everyone
1: What do they do for social interaction with other kids? Do you take them to, like, play with other kids and stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, I mean, obviously, for the last year, we haven't really been able to. um, And, you know, like, we do our work in the mornings and early afternoons, and then we go on day trips and stuff like that. We're always going to parks, and, you know, we know loads of people. And they've got lots of online friends as well. Hmm. But actually, they also really play together. Although they're all different ages, they play beautifully together. And, and I guess, and we've just settled somewhere, we've been touring around Portugal for the last four years, um, like staying sort of like six months here and uh, moving around quite a bit but now we're actually in a place where we can get some roots I'm hoping that you know as things open up again we can get them to some clubs and stuff that interests them
1: yeah yeah when I spoke to you six weeks ago you had just moved into your new home
0: (laughs) how are you finding it is it good yeah it's really nice um yeah we've been out in the garden a lot we've got their trampoline up yesterday a duck arrived on site just came out of nowhere and so we had to walk around the village holding this like little baby duckling walking around trying to find its owners <laughs> so all these lovely kind of natural things are going on at the moment we're growing things we went up into the orchard yesterday and came back with loads of apricots and plums and peaches and so we've got a really nice outdoors kind Good. of lifestyle it's nice yeah
1: so whereabouts in Portugal are you are you down near the Algarve or are you on the co- you're on that
0: we're on the coast coast yeah, we're on the, the West Coast. We're about 20 minutes from the beach um, and just north of, Port- uh, north of um, Lisbon. Um, so it's, it, it's a really great area, actually. So we go to the beach quite a lot. Um, and and what, made
1: you, what made you go and live in Portugal? For, were you in the UK before you went to yeah. Portugal or were you somewhere else?
0: I was in the UK. Um, I was in Bali, living out there, loving it. Oh um, and I came back yeah. to the Eng- England just thinking I was coming back to earn some money. Um like with one of my freelance training jobs and there was um, a crash, (laughs) like a financial crash. And all of a sudden I was stuck at my parents um, with no money. (laughs) And that's when I met my husband, you know, like these things happen um, to get our attention. Uh, I was stuck there for about a month thinking, Oh no, I'm going to get back to where I love, you know, I loved Bali or love Bali um, and thought I was going to spend, you know, the rest of my life. That felt very, very sort of like um, grounded there. Um, But yeah I was was stuck at my parents so I was doing sort of hypnotherapy jobs for um anyone that needed it and one of their friends needed some hypnotherapy and she knew my husband and said oh you should speak to him he has a show you know he's he looks for astrologers and 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 light workers and stuff and so yeah that's what happened we got together and anyway how did we end up out here um so so you met him on his podcast show did you yeah yeah okay Yeah, the Barefoot broadcast. And, um, broadcast. Yeah. So, like 10 years ago, there was this, like, this undercurrent of this, like, romance developing. And so, all of his listeners, you know, (laughs) realized that when he was interviewing me, you know, something was going on. Um, yeah, it happened very quickly. Um, yeah, I'm, um, I don't know. I like, uh, I'm sure you do as well, but I like to keep abreast of what's going on in the world and I question things quite a lot. And for a long time, we had this feeling that there was going to be a, a big collapse um, and that we needed to get um, as, as kind of resourceful as we could. And, you know, we were thinking about how we could raise our kids in, in England. And we wanted to be able to all spend a lot of time together. And it seems really difficult, you know, like looking at house prices and actually um, how much money you can earn for, you know, working and stuff. Most Brits, to be able to have a their own house, they need two or three jobs between two of them. <laughs> and you know, that just didn't seem compatible with what we wanted to achieve, um, you know, for our family. And so we started looking around and we wanted a place that had lots of land. And we were drawn to Portugal. And funnily enough, a lot of the people that I've met on my travels, like in Bali, you know, and in people that go to all these different centers, like um costa rica hawaii and, mm. and byron and stuff a lot of them do come around portugal way wow Yeah, you know, loads of healers and light workers sort of gravitating towards this area and there's so many houses <laughs> empty houses in portugal yeah. they you know they have um a net migration like they've they're, they're like a minus net migration they have more people leaving than arriving really so yeah yeah um like historically um, in the 60s, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, lots of Portuguese people went and worked in France um, and all over Europe, you know, where there were better prospects. And those Portuguese people stayed there, raised their families there. And then they they only come back, you know, (laughs) when they're really, really old, you know, to retire. Um, But a lot of of Portuguese people um, uh, just live everywhere else. You know, there's loads in South Africa, in England, Canada and stuff. Um, and so when we came here, there's just lots of space. Wow, loads fantastic. of space. Um, mm-hmm. and they they need more people to have babies here. <laughs> wow. so, so it's it's kind of an easy place to kind of settle really. So do you, see, do you see yourself staying there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you speak Portuguese? No. <laughs> and everyone not- speaks English no um but i do speak french and so i've made <laughs> like when when i need portuguese and i can't i just can't cut it i go to french and a lot of if if they're sort of um 50 and over a lot of them will speak french fluently mm. um, yeah but i mean if, if they're younger than you know if they're around 40 and younger then they'll all speak english so yeah. Or mostly
1: yeah
0: but we get by you know that's what I, that's what you do when you go to a different country and we will learn it um
1: so where were you living in Bali? Were you in the hills or on the coast? Uh, in in the hills. Near um, around Ubud. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> on the outskirts of Ubud. Not right in the center. Yeah, yeah. In in the forest. It was really cool. It was yeah. great. What a beautiful place. It is beautiful and something
1: I'm so... I was there a few years ago and uh, I was there like 30, 40 years ago. And then I went back a couple of times over the last few years. And I couldn't get over how crowded and polluted and, and built up it had become, and my prayer was, oh wow, I wish, you know, it really it just it really needed an overhaul because it was just it had gone crazy, it just gone mad, it just gone crazy, too much infrastructure, too many people, too much pollution, the beaches were filthy, and then oh. COVID hits and like Bali gets completely cleaned up, and I'm thinking, I would so love to go back and see what the yes. what you know what's happened because yeah. I saw there's a documentary on um, all the people cleaning all the rivers and but obviously all the people that were in tourism had to go back to they went back to farming they went back to the old traditional ways and yeah it was amazing what happened to Bali over covid and over you know 2020
0: yeah 2020 yeah i mean the people there are absolutely beautiful i learned so much you know i was really grateful actually that i was living in bali before i met carl and and started having babies because when i was out there i actually lived on a compound with a a balinese family not in there you know they had lots of extra buildings Mm -hmm. and i rented one from them but i got to see what family life is like and you know if you're balinese children don't get put down like babies don't get put down they are carried until they can walk themselves and it's not always the mum that's carrying them obviously you know in our setup it's pretty much me or carl um you know we baby wear until they get old enough but you know like cousins aunts uncles everyone's carrying the baby and you know they've all they all live with their extended families um and yeah the i was talking to my driver out there and he just said we see them like gods you know they are like elevated spirits you know they're really special people and and they they just absolutely revere their children in a way that it, like when I was growing up the idea was you know if, if you're a child you should be seen and not heard exactly that's our, <laughs> that's how I grew up too yeah. Seen and not I, heard. I thought that was yeah. so unfair as a child I'm like yes, you see? definitely yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean, I've got I've got vague memories of like crying in a in a pram in a hallway and not being listened to knowing that you know my parents were in another room. And I think, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I'm really grateful for the Bali experience because mm-hmm. it, you know, and the, the promptings of some other good women around me who he said, hey, you might want to try attachment parenting or have a look at this. And yeah. it's fair. Done it I was speaking to someone on the show called Penny Kelly, who
1: um, identifies as Palladian, you know, Palladian star seed mm-hmm. here on Earth incredible she's in her 70s now <clears throat> <laughs> unbelievably she's she's unbelievable pension one of my favorite people anyway she was saying that when she began to remember her palladian ancestry she started looking into it and she started talking to them and saying you know what what's important uh, what have you got to teach us and that's exactly what they said they said the most um, important thing on the palladies is like the most important job you can have is the bringing up of the children And they like revere them like gods. And she had a slew of kids and she was a busy working (laughs) mom. And she was like, Huh, okay, (laughs) I haven't actually been that attentive. (laughs) She sort of changed her ways after she had the Palladians tell her that it's the most important
0: thing you can do. And uh, yeah, yeah, I thought that was. I mean, mean, it's really funny because, you know, from an early age, um, um, I always just wanted to become a mom um although you know nobody really knew that I didn't really admit it but when I fell in love for the first time you know with you know my first Mr. Right who I never married but I always wanted to have children but like the moment I fall in love something inside me erupts and I just know I want to be a mum um and I've always felt that actually that was what I was supposed to be doing that that was the job and it was really frustrating that you know we live in a world whereby we're supposed to earn money and you know do all these things you know Surely, like when I look around, um, other animals don't have to busk for a living. They just know what they're (laughs) supposed to be doing, you know. They don't have to pay their way because they are their way, you know. And it it just never made sense to me. I couldn't understand it. Um, So I spent a lot of my time trying to sort of busk my way through life and, and find out how I could do it. But it wasn't until I was with the right partner that everything just fell into place. And then you realize, actually, you know, you can never have enough money before you have children. You can never be too secure. And actually it just works anyway. You know, you just,
1: yeah, it just all falls into place. So let's get into your astrology. So you, you were obsessed
0: with it since the time you were six, it says in your bio. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm born on the cusp. Um, I'm born um, at the winter solstice uh, on the 20th of December, just the day before. And you know, my mum said I was a Sagittarius and a Capricorn, and I, that got my interest. She said, "Oh, special," and that's what every kid wants to hear, isn't it? You know, when they're young. <laughs> um, and so I just started like like learning, um, reading horoscopes first of all, which weren't really that interesting. Um, but then I remember when I was about eleven, getting um getting pocket money and. I just went to a bookshop and bought books on astrology, uh, like a compendium of healing. You know, it had like palmistry in um, how to develop your intuition, your psychic skills. And I just went through the book um, and and yeah, just went from there. But I was just fascinated. You know, I couldn't work out why I felt so different and why, um, well, why I think so much, first of all. But I was really fascinating that people can have these different skills and types and stuff like that and that it can be seen and I wanted to map it out as soon as I as I could I wanted to find out what my purpose was or you know I just I've got this kind of quest and and I guess if I'd had older people around me who could navigate that with me then I probably wouldn't have even needed to buy the book but that was obviously my journey you know um But yeah, I, I've just went from book to book to book. And eventually, you know, as I got out and into the world and started working and, you know, like part-time jobs and stuff, I came across teachers, they always show up at the right time, you know, but they didn't really come into my house. (laughs) Like my mom and dad, their friends weren't exactly, you know, going to be teachers on intuition or spirituality for me.
1: So when did you notice that you were channeling? Did you just notice... Did you just notice that it was just so easy? The information was just coming so easily. Like you didn't have to
0: remember anything or look stuff up in books. Um, It was when I was um, practicing palmistry. Um, I remember going on a coach tour with my family and um, I'd been learning about palmistry. And so it was a really long tour. And so I just went up and down the aisles of the coach, holding people's hands and reading them and saying, I can read your fortunes and let's see what comes up. And, um, and yeah, I, I, all of a sudden I would say these things that I hadn't actually read in a book, but I just knew, and I couldn't put my finger on it and people would confirm it. And then it became a bit of a party piece. Like if I went to parties and things like that, cause by that time I was in my mid teens, um, you know, and I would just pick up a hand. I remember, um, hanging out with some guys and reading one of their hands. I said, Oh, that's really unusual. You've got like a spiritual brother with you. You know, there's somebody with you all the time. You're really attached and, and, um, and I can't quite put it, put my finger on it. But you know, I said there's something really strong and unusual in your family. And he just burst into tears and he said, "Well, yeah, my best friend is actually my brother." And there were, you know, they they were different colors. <laughs> you know, one was black, one's white. And I couldn't quite compute it. And he he'd been ad- adopted into a white family and had, you know, at that time felt this sense of, you know, utter relief and gratitude. You know that he had this wonderful family around him and his best mate was actually his brother. And I had no idea of knowing that. And I don't think there's, you know, an adopted, you know, into a different family kind of line. But I just knew it, and um, and it kind of went from there, really. Um, so and, that and so I just had to trust it. So you had to trust it. So so that was the t- first time that you thought, oh wow, how would I know that? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't know even if I had that thought. I just there were times when I would just start speaking and it would kind of automatically flow through me, you know, I'd find my vibe and then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. And then, um, I remember being babysat by, you know, um, a couple of, uh, sort of elders in our community, I guess. And, um, the woman she sort of said look I I know you're intuitive and this was quite a big moment and so I sat in the back room with her and she put her hands I think she must have given me some Reiki on my head or something and she just said close your eyes and then all of a sudden through my eyelids I could actually see through my eyelids and I saw all of my family all of my descendants and ancestors um, around me and there was this real sense of celebration, you know, that I could see. It was as if I was looking out of my eyes. And then when I opened my eyes and I was sat in a room with mirrored wardrobes, I like facing these mirrored wardrobes and in the mirror, I could see all these people. I, I was surrounded. Um, and that was a huge moment to, to realize that I could connect in like that. And then I started getting messages left, right and center. And um, oh, yeah, <laughs> I had um, glandular fever and I was in and out of, you know, like um, uh a bit of a, a temperature and sort of hallucinating and I started I heard a voice in my head that said get a pen, get a piece of paper and I started writing reams of poetry and that went on for a, a couple of months um so yeah lots of stuff kind of happened um but I didn't really put too much on it because my parents were always a bit surprised and a little bit you know un, you know a bit wary about it you know think they... how old were you when that was happening to you? I think I was about 16. Mm. and and then it carried on until I was about 22 and then and then I heard from my guide at the time he said you know you need to actually live your life now you need to love have some loss you need to do all these normal things but I'll be back again and then um and that's actually what happened in my 20s I went through a very kind of selfish (laughs) kind of career me first stage you know where I was really really trying to show the world who I was and yeah, intuition didn't come into it at all. You know, it was about, um, you know, making my way and, you know, sort of aggressively pushing and it was really ambitious, I guess, showing that I could be as good as everyone else and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, but I, I, I knew something wasn't right and I got ill. Um, I, I felt this kind of wasting away of my energy, you know, being in that world nine to five, Monday to Friday, it, something was off, Mm. you know, and, and all of those thoughts I'd had as a kid, like, you know, why do I have to earn money? You know, why can't I just, why do humans have to do this? I used to think that from a a small age, like, why do we have to work Monday to Friday, nine to five? What's the point of that? You know, I I couldn't, I, I, you know, as a child, I used to think, you know, the purpose of life, you know, it's this gift and yet you spend most of it in this kind of incarceration I remember really feeling off about it and then in my 20s I just completely embraced it but I started reconnecting and thinking this is off this feels wrong and how do I get out of it and so I spent around the time in Saturn return having a nervous breakdown <laughs> <laughs> um, like my chronic fatigue syndrome which like my glandular fever had turned into um, had a full blown attack and I was sort of in bed for about 13 months right. um, so I couldn't work um, and then I just had to kind of make, find my way through and it was really messy it wasn't very elegant how I did it <laughs> my relationship <laughs> fell apart my job fell apart um yeah you know, it, do it it. Was, <laughs> yeah it wasn't elegant it was a really messy time um and that relationship fell apart and it, it was all perfect you know that everything sort of cleared out um and I started thinking well well yeah I, I have to say I want to work go on mm. I, I, well, I just <laughs> i had um i'd been working for banks loads in in my rush you know to do well in life and insurance companies and i just remember thinking i don't want to work for for these companies to make them loads of money i'd seen how they made money i was um in in a kind of um profit and loss kind of department where i'd see um you know how they build other departments if they lost money in the banks they would charge all the different departments even though they're all part of the same thing they would charge like an operations loss kind of fee to all people who made mistakes and they would claim it in and i just saw so many different ways that they were making money you know on, um like intra night trading deals and things like they'd put vast amounts of money onto a, you know, a stock overnight and then claim it back in. And there was just all these different things going on. And I just thought, why am I doing this? I'm making these organizations really rich. Why aren't I doing this for people? Why aren't I helping people? Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it all kind of ground to a halt and I made some changes. Sorry,
1: I was interrupting you. Oh, I forget what I was going to ask you now. Uh, anyway, uh, I was just thinking as you were telling me that story about the banks making money. Few yeah. years back, oh, I don't know how long ago. A few years back, uh, I went to a, you know, business success seminar. Somebody had a ticket. I would never do these things, um, <laughs> in this time of my life, uh, uh, you know, in the last decade. But somebody said, "I've got this free ticket. You want to come?" Anthony Robbins is one of the keynote speakers, and I'm like, "Oh wow!" I used to go like. 20, 30, 35 years ago, I did his stuff. I'm thinking, I wonder where Anthony Robbins is in his life right now. There was a whole slew of other teachers teaching you how to make money, make money, make money, make money. And they're all rah, rah, rah. And there's thousands of people in this big hall. And I remember one of the, I was disgusted at the whole thing to tell you the truth, Louisa. One of the Mm -hmm. ways was um, because of the housing crisis in the States, there were people that couldn't pay their mortgages anymore and they'd been kicked out of their homes. And so there was all these houses in the States that were going for cheap as chips. And so this guy was saying, Oh, you can pick up a house for 20,000, 30,000 because the bank can't sell it. You know, it's worth more than that, but the bank's just trying to offload it and then you can renovate it and make a buck on it. And all I could think of that we're making, you're asking us to make profit on somebody else's misfortune loss. Loss. And I just was disgusted at this, at this, oh, just like, what has this world become, is what I thought really. Um, yeah, just this this craze to make money, make, make, make money, make money, be successful, make money, go on holidays. And it's your classic motivational speech with, like, what are you going to do with all your money? You're going to go on holiday? You're going to buy a Ferrari? You know, they're just, it's just this material <laughs> pump. Um, yeah just yeah anyway and i'm thinking god you should buy these houses and give it back to the people that couldn't afford this mortgage that's what i thought they'd been homeless thrown out of their houses and then the bank is selling it off for something that they probably could afford to pay a mortgage on like twenty thousand dollars they probably owed a hundred thousand dollars on the house and the bank's selling it for twenty thousand bucks anyway yes life yes i can well imagine that being in the banking industry would have been a bit of a wake-up call that's what i was going to say you said it wasn't very it it wasn't your spiritual awakening wasn't very pretty or something and i'm thinking everyone i've spoken to on the show that's had a spiritual awakening has never been very pretty
0: (laughs) it's always because of contrast usually yeah i mean i haven't had a full-on spiritual awakening like you know the people who are kind of like you know they've kind of ascended or you know they've you know their whole Mind has been blown apart. That's not happened to me. But I've had these moments of awakening to the reality of myself and thinking, hmm, (laughs) there's a bit there's there's a bit to do here. I I skipped over a massive part, I realized, um, (laughs) because when I was 18, I was supposed to go to university and I just couldn't muster the energy to do it. Um, I just thought, no, nah, this isn't me. I, I, I don't want to, I mean, I was, I was going to do, um, philosophy and fine art. Cause I always studied things I was interested in. Um, but I couldn't see the point in going to university. Cause like, what was it going to lead to? You know, I, I just, I just couldn't see it. And all, all I knew was that I wanted to feel free. And I had this dream, um, shortly after finishing school and I had this dream and my dead granddad came to me and said, wherever you go, whatever you do. We'll be there, we'll look after you, things will be okay. And I just woke up in the morning and knew I needed to leave England and go to France. And um, and so I said to my mom and dad, I'm leaving, I'm going to France. And they were like, What? You're supposed to be going to university. And I was like, No, nah, it's not gonna happen. I'm off to France. And um, uh, they said, Well, what are you where are you gonna get the money from? I said, Oh, it's fine, it's gonna happen. And I went around to my nan's, and my nan was like, Here, have some money. <laughs> And and so my dad dropped me off um, at Dover so I could get the the, like there's a little ferry between England and France. And and I think his last words to me were, have a great time. Why can't you be normal? (laughs) And then I I remember getting over to Calais, um, you know, the the port in France and sat down and cried because I was 18. and I was in another country away from my parents thinking, what have I done? Like, oh, my goodness. And I I got a map of um, France out in front of me and I I grabbed my necklace and I just kind of swung it like pendulum style. And it it landed around La Rochelle. And so I thought, okay, that's where I need to go. And I heard my granddad's poem in, in my head and, and I was just guided. And so I didn't have much money, actually. You know, I'd been loaned a really small amount or gifted from my grandmother. Um, but I got the train from Calais to Paris and en route I met this really friendly guy who was helpful. I had a, you know, he said, don't, don't get the <laughs> don't get the train straight after get the one in the evening it'll be tons cheaper and that's what I did um you know and I got to La Rochelle and I just thought okay what do I need to do I need I need I need um to get a coffee I need to have a shower and so I just thought let's find a campsite and so I wandered onto a campsite um, sat in the cafe on the campsite Uh, had a shower you know like caught a shower for free um you know had a coffee and then there were there was a couple of people and they were having this like conversation and I overheard them they were English and they had um they'd lost a member of staff and so they needed um somebody to do some cleaning of tents and things like that and so I said hey I'm I'm here (laughs) Do do you need this and they were like yeah yeah great timing and and so the place where this person had been staying that was my home and I cleaned tents and they had loads of food because, um, you know, loads of people when they camp, they leave all the food when they leave and stuff like that. And so I had I'd literally followed my instinct, um, arrived on this campsite, found work, found a place to stay, found food and found friendly people around me. And they said, right, in this time, you need to go and look for work because this is only going to be for three weeks. And. So I just thought, okay, and I worked and then I went and sat on the beach. I didn't go looking for work at all. Cause I just expected it was gonna turn up. And sure enough, about two days before I was due to leave their boss turned up and said, oh my goodness, I need a rep for another campsite someone's gone missing and they said oh we know somebody and then I was just like carted off to another campsite and this went on for a few years actually so (laughs) I um I worked in France um as as a like a campsite rep and I loved it and actually that was what was going on for me in my late 20s I was thinking I loved those times they were really simple I didn't need much money okay I, I wasn't thinking about my future I couldn't have retired or anything but I lived in a tent And I had a really nice, like a simple bed, really nice cooker and fridge. It was really simple. I was in the fresh air all the time. And I used to just clean tents. And then I would welcome people when they arrived. And anyone that had had my education, you know, would have said, why are you doing this? You could do so much. But actually, it was the happiest I was. Yeah, I was so happy just in that really lovely kind of bubble. Like on a campsite, you don't really get the news. You know, there's no TVs in, in your tent. So you're not doing all those usual things. So I was just walking around with a like a cassette player, Walkman. You know how you used to listen to music. <laughs> like uh, only people like above the age of 40 will know that. <laughs> but I used to be listening to the Rolling Stones whilst cleaning a tent in the sunshine. It was it was bliss. And that's what I wanted to get back to, the simplicity. And that's why we're living in Portugal, really, because you know, it's 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 nice, it's nice weather, it's simple, it's beautiful. I love I'm free that story. And that's, that's how my spirit, you know, I was always guided to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, we're all always guided. That's the thing. I just think you're aware. I remember backpacking around Europe when I was in my 20s and I didn't feel like I had spirit guides talking to me because I just used to call it my common sense. Yeah. But yeah. I just went from one place. So I met someone on a train. Oh, we're going here. You want to come? Yep. Go there. And then for, I just like it was amazing. I often thought about that when I was older how effortlessly easy everything just unfolded and it never occurred to me that life could be any different it was just so like this is life this is what happens and yeah i didn't see the magic in it at the time
0: (laughs) i really didn't Uh, yeah yeah. i mean i I've, i've actually gone into some really jammy positions like i've 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 found myself in some great jobs um, and just walked into things. I, I have this oh. habit of being in the right place at the right time, always. Yeah, yeah. And I guess since I've become a mum, I like, I mean, that was the best one, you know, being in the right place at the right time to meet my husband. And since then, I've gone into this whole motherhood phase. Um, and I like to think that as I move out of the motherhood phase, I mean, I'll never not, but, you know, as my kids get older, that the magic of the sort of campsite days will re-erupt. Because actually, if I'm not with my children, the next best thing for me is is just being in nature, like growing plants. I love plants.
1: Yeah. There's
0: so much peace from being in nature.
1: I can hear you. I was just thinking about when did I stop being in the flow and just letting magic just run my life. And it was when I became, you know, got married and became a mom and I did that in my late twenties and, and just the pressure of having to, you know, raise a family, feed a family, pay the rent that just seemed to like, Pummel down on top of you and and um, that magic of being free and easy bright and breezy and just letting life take you wherever it want to take you just stopped in those days but it seems to me that you know with your young family you're still in that magic you know traveling around even though you've got the young family not feeling like you have to be in one place and be secure and all that sort of thing it's sort of magic still weaving through your life definitely we're putting roots down now and it feels really great um but even where you live was pretty magic, like where you're living now. You told me this. Do you want to yeah. share that story?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. A couple of details have changed. <laughs> um, yeah. It's pretty magic. Um, like we like when I was talking about how I really loved how the Balinese lived, I, I got really switched on to the fact that we should be multi-generational, you know, that we should have everyone living together and helping out. Because actually if attachment parenting is all well and good but it's really hard to do in the Western world because you can't be attached to your kids whilst you're also working. You just, it's really hard. It's, it's almost like an impossible task. And because I wanted to do extended breastfeeding, you know, I want, I wanted my children to let me know when they didn't need milk anymore. I didn't want to have to force them off. And kind of like when you go back to work, that is when you kind of, it almost spells the end of that closeness, doesn't it? Um. So I was thinking, how does it work? And, and so we were sort of like Carl and I, as my husband, you know, we were saying, um, we should be living in, in multi-generational communities. And so one of our plans of coming to Bali uh, coming to Bali, coming to Portugal was that we could buy more land and invite our parents out to, to, to enjoy themselves and to have a really great life. And, and, um, sure enough, neither of our parents actually want to come and stay with us. <laughs> the thought of it must be horrendous to them because they all, they just gave us a flat, no. <laughs> But we still had this this thinking, and my husband's pretty magical himself. He's really good at finding himself in these places, and um, and yeah, he's he's just been saying, well we'll get matched up with somebody else and this year we um, had invitations from three different people for for home ideas so um, a lovely lady from North America who is like a kinesiologist she said I want to buy a house with a granny annex and um, I want you guys to live in the house I just want the annex you can live there for free all I ask is that you grow vegetables and you make me welcome I'm going to be doing my travels um and we were saying yeah that'd be really cool and groovy because she- Is really awesome um and um so we looked into that and it didn't quite work out because she um, wanted to go down south to the Algarve and the house prices are much much higher and so she actually couldn't end up like finding a house with a granny annex and and so we didn't actually find what we needed and so we just kind of parked it as as the idea and then (laughs) somebody that my husband has been working with a lovely lady in her 80s um, they've been doing a show, um, you know, quite regularly. And I hadn't realized, but she'd been kind of watching us. My husband's broadcaster. And so he's pretty, um, you know, everybody kind of knows our business a little bit, you know, or thinks they do, you know, they've got this idea as to who we are. And, um, and she'd been following our kind of journey And she put it to us. She said, look, I've got this really big house um, and it's kind of separated in different areas. And I invite you to come and live with us. And we do kind of contribute, you know, with the rent. uh, But essentially, um, we've kind of adopted a granny. So (laughs) where our own parents didn't want to be with us and her kids don't want to be with her either. And so we've kind of we're kind of like orphans matching up. Um, and so we, we live, um, in half the house and she lives in her part of the house and we share a kitchen together and a dining room area. Um, and we, we do stuff together and, you know, we're kind of living as a family and it's, it's weird. It's only like six weeks in, um, you know, so egoic stuff's going to come up, but she's actually pretty groovy and really wants to stick around to talk about what happens um and so we've got plans to do stuff in the garden she's got an orchard there's tons of space we can have our chickens we've got our dogs and and it's in the middle of nowhere as well so we can walk out and there's these beautiful country walks beautiful sunsets we're only you know a short drive from our favorite beach um yeah and 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 you know the the conditions that we've got here are that we we stay and we help and we all participate together. We live as a family and we help her. And she said, you know, if you leave, you have to take me with you. We are family now. <laughs> so she's kind of like married to us, which is, bit, you know, it takes you, your head a little bit to get around. I just think um, that's so beautiful. I really do. Yeah. Just, and what she said is, is when she like, you know, in the event of her passing away that um, she's got um, a contract put in place to say that we can live in the house for five years, and we don't have to move so we've got like the assurance that that's all well and good wow we can't be kicked out and that's so we what we're going to do is keep her vision going because she's got a very strong vision for the land and it's a really nice one and we're we're kind of keeping it going you know she's got more than she can cope with and so yeah. we're here to help that's so beautiful
1: that and so we've got beautiful. the energy and we so, you know we're a good match is she portuguese or
0: is she english she's a brit She's a Brit, another Brit, yeah. uh, another Brit in Portugal. Oh, yeah. there are so many. I mean, we do want to get more integrated with Portugal for sure. And COVID hasn't ha- helped. <laughs> we used to go out every day with the kids and in, in go to different places and go shopping and, and chat and hang out and stuff like that. And we haven't been able to do that, but yeah. hopefully that happen again oh
1: i feel like i want to totally come to portugal now but i don't know
0: you totally should I,
1: I don't know if i'll be able to travel for a while anyway you're very welcome you do? we'll see what happens with the whole you know the new passports and all that sort of thing because i'm not going to partake in the in the net. no so it's going to be interesting i think it'll all calm down in years to come so i just feel like i have to like just bide my time really yeah, yeah, but we haven't talked about
0: astrology at all. <laughs> no, I mean, that's funny. I mean, I spend so much time doing astrology and coaching and working with people. But yeah, um, <laughs> so what would you like to know about astrology? <laughs> I don't know. As I said to you before, I used to study
1: it years ago and it was so vast that I just thought, oh my God, it would take lifetimes to really understand it. And so I had to put it to bed and I don't really think about it so much. I remember when I was studying it, I was talking to a girlfriend that's not into all this stuff, you know, I saying, Oh, you know, when you understand how people are, then you can understand why they do the things they do. And she goes, Oh, right. So if someone's a dickhead, you can just say, Oh, it's because they're a, you know, this sign. And then you just excuse them for being a dickhead. And I said, yeah, basically. And she said, that doesn't sound very good
0: to me. <laughs> that's what she yeah, said. I mean, <laughs> you can look at some charts and go, Ooh. <laughs> like some, it does look like some people are you know born with slightly easier charts and some people have got you know kind of slightly terse charts um yeah uh it's, it's fascinating I, I think i got into it because I, I i like to be able to help people yeah. really like to help people you know once i got to the point of um decoding what my chart was saying about me um i just wanted to use it as a tool to help help people find their way you know i You know, I've had you know a breakdown. (laughs) and um, I did have some alcohol issues along the way as well, and I suffered from depression. I had illness and all sorts of different things. So I feel like my life has given me a lot of grounding into all the kinds of different problems that people have. I've been broke. I've had money. (laughs) I've done well in business, and uh, then I've kind of like thrown it all away on a whim. You know, and I've uh, so I can really appreciate. You've lived, honey. You've lived. (laughs) Yeah, I have. I really have lived really fully, actually. Um, yeah, I really have. And, um, And yeah, so first of all, I mean, I started studying it when I was 20. And so all all through my 20s, when I was like working my nuts off trying to do stuff and gain experience, I still was studying it Um, and obviously did my NLP and also did um, like hypnotherapy training as well and timeline therapy training. Um, And so behind the scenes, I would use my skills and help people if they needed it. Um, And then in my 30s, I started doing it and said, I'll buy donation, you know, if you want some, you know, So I was running my business because at that point I had my own training business and I was out here, there and everywhere. Um, but I used to do it on the side. Um and and I collected all my feedback. And when I went to live in Bali, which was a completely other story, you know, I left everything in the UK and said, right, that's it. Um I need I need to cut free from the sort of energy of before and and let's have an adventure. And it was guided. But when I went there, I, I started picking it up and that's how I busked my way through Bali um, and I shouldn't have done it. I didn't have a work permit. So it's lucky I didn't get caught because I would have been, um, you know, sent home and never been able to return. Um, but my plan was to, um, yeah, just just carry on using astrology and doing kind of psychic readings at the same time. Um, and people just gravitated towards me. It didn't; it, it wasn't that difficult you know, people heard about me and where I did um, something, you know, it's a bit shaky at first when you, when you start doing it sort of professionally. Um, but yeah I just kind of you have to you have to put the you have to have some skin in the game you have to put yourself out there you have to like let go of that vulnerability and that shame of not being good enough and and I always have my cards with me so I did card readings as well so I just really did whatever the client wanted um and sometimes that involved you know like doing the readings and then them saying well I've got this going on and so I used hypnotherapy and so it kind of all blended together and I met this fantastic guy called Rick uh, Rick Purcell who's got um a, a beautiful retreat center um in fact I'm going to be having a conversation with him straight after this um we have a, a weekly catch-up and and we we did some facilitation together so we ran a few workshop groups and, and things like that and then I started thinking this is where I should be and then when I met my husband um and got knocked up pretty much straight away with our intuitive child <laughs> I mean, by that time, I was still I was, you know, doing um, my like business training in the background in the UK, um, like once or twice a month, and it brought in a lot of cash. Um, But as a stay at home mum, you know, I started to get an hour here and an hour there, and I would just start to blog. And then people would start asking. And so I just did it like that, just really slowly did it. But, you know, one of the problems with being an intuitive worker is you never, you can sense when you might need, like, to earn some money. Obviously, you know it, and you know when people might be coming to you, but there's no regularity to it, you know, so, like, you can't really retire on it because you might get loads of readings around the time of the solstice um, or in times of great change, like COVID is amazing for most intuitives, I think. I think everyone's businesses have really taken off because there's the level of uncertainty is huge people need guidance and clarity um and so I was thinking well how can I how can I make this work in a way that's going to help people the most and because like the first aid astrology you know where someone has a problem they come to you and is all you're doing is putting a plaster over them a cosmic plaster and that just didn't feel good because I could see that actually they needed more handholding or they needed to be guided. On a step-by-step thing and so i just contacted um all of my clients and said look i'm, I'm going to start a membership and this is how much it costs and each month you're going to get um a short like 20 minute bespoke reading about your month ahead um completely personalized to you and you'll also be able to ask me a question mid-month should you need it and everyone that comes on board you know, I, I spend a good hour with them, usually talking about their aims, where they want to go in life and this, that and the other. And they can send me emails through the month. And I was really shocked when it all just like started to work. And it was really incredible. Um, Cause everyone just snapped my hand off. Everyone that I'd worked with over the last 10 years was like, yeah. And I just was expecting loads of rejection, but in fact, people just signed up. And uh, in fact, um, like, in fact, my, my retention is brilliant <laughs> so I've been working with the same group of people like stonedly, on a month-by-month basis for almost three years now and it's just growing um and so it's just changing you know I, I now do more coaching um so with that within that I um also said to guys you know if you actually want a, like a monthly session with me where you know you can talk and I listen And I I listen intuitively and then I channel and I can also do NLP. And so there are people there's, you know, I've got some people that consult with me once a week for an hour, some every fortnight, some once a month. And so like they get the astrology, but they get the, it's a relationship. You know, I'm looking out for them and it's a friendship. And actually what I'm doing is actually doing what I needed when I was really small. (laughs) I'm just providing a bit of support and advice and, it can get cosmic. Um, sometimes it's really not, (laughs) you know, sometimes I might actually need to help them practically, you know, with my advice. Um, and we just take it from there. So it's, it's really about the client It's client centered. And it's very much like how I parent, you know, it's just child centered. And so I just found myself doing what I like doing and earning nice money from it and, and having such a great time. So that's how I, I use it. Wow. That sounds amazing. I think this is,
1: I think this is really going to help people who are, who are thinking about, you know, wow, what they can do with their business, listening to your story. And uh, there are some people that are working and some people thinking that I should, I should, I could do this. I can do this. And yeah, just listening to the way that your is unfolded, I think it's really, really, really helpful.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Karen. I mean, um. <laughs> If if I had a typical customer, they are the types of people who are going through a big change hmm. and they're uncertain about it. And often they are people who've been very mainstream who now want to live according to their own rules right. and find their way in the world. And I think that's why I say I kind of like bridge the magic and the mundane. Magic and the mundane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of help people find their way and and, and i feel like that you know like those people that have had their full sp- spiritual awakening all of a sudden kind of they they move up a level don't they Or they they they've they're altered forever and i feel like i've got one foot in that camp and one foot very much grounded in you know, real things as well yeah that's yeah. what i kind of offer my clients having know? a spiritual awakening is it
1: it um It shifts your paradigm because you think you're one person, and then you wake up and you go, "I'm actually not that person." And then you're
0: actually not that at all.
1: (laughs) Not that at all. And then you and then you say, "Well, I'm not. Who exactly? Who am I?" And that's the journey, you know. You've got to like who we are is source energy, and source energy is not anything really. But but if I know that I'm this magical being, what am I going to do with my life? I'm not this limited being. I'm a magical being. So if I'm magical, what do I want to do with my life? And that. Is, can be very confusing for many people. Wow. Listen, I, I want to ask you, what is timeline therapy? Is that what it's called? Timeline therapy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, it's it's actually quite magical. Um, it's it's kind of like an offshoot of NLP. Uh, so it, it came from that kind of world, the neurolinguistic programming world. And Tad James, the guy who um, kind of coined it or developed it, I think he passed away this year. So um, yeah, we lost a really cool person there. But essentially everyone's got a timeline um like I'm going to ask you a question how do you perceive your diary in your head I have like I don't know ever since I was a small child I've got this kind of pop-up diary in my head yeah and, I don't, um, don't have a diary in my head I know how
1: have. do you perceive your diary like some people no, might no, have
0: no. you don't okay no. you're very timeless <laughs> but you're I mean every
1: Absolutely, in the moment i i really
0: think yeah i'm just i've never been a yeah di- diary so every, everyone has this kind of different perception of time and like for me i see like this diary in my head and i can see where i've got appointments and i can kind of shift it along a bit like in uh, one of those films you know where they've got these like pop-up displays and you're going like this to, to see where to go um and, you know, some people have like lines, some people see like a, a train track or something. Everyone's got a different perception of time. And so essentially um, with timeline, I work with clients to perceive their timeline. And we notice whether they're actually stood on their timeline or stood next to it, because that's also interesting. Like, so I'm disassociated from my timeline. I see it. I'm not on it. <laughs> so, but then then like if someone's got a problem, like say, um, I'm not I'm not um I'm not lovable okay so we'd explore that belief and the idea of timeline is to take them forwards and back along their timeline almost like time travel in like a TARDIS or something and you get them to go to identify the first time they had that thought the first time they created that belief about themselves like I'm not lovable and and we don't necessarily go into the memory we kind of hang above it and and look down on it and and analyze it from a third party perspective and try and learn about it but then we go back in time to before that thought ever existed because there would have been a time when you didn't believe that you were unlovable and when you realize that you're completely lovable and it might have been in childhood it might have been in the womb it might have been in a past life it could be in a completely different time space reality but essentially i i guide people to find the root cause and explore that and then take them to before that happens, so they can experience it and we get them feeling all the senses. So, you know, what does it look like to feel completely lovable? What does it sound like? How does it feel? Um, and then get them to really sit in that timeline and feel it and then take the energy of it, whoosh, right the way through back to modern times and then, or to now times, and then to take it into the future. So that if I was to say, so Karen, (laughs) this big meeting that you've got in three weeks time, and you might be feeling unlovable or whatever, you know, how do you feel now from this altered perception? And it changes your perception. And it also recodes all your experiences along the way. So usually, um, you know, before we get started on this bit of time travel, I'd say to people, so think of three times when you've really felt this unlovable I'm not I'm not lovable enough and they'll describe like three key moments and grade them like rate them out of 10 like how strong they were and 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 then at the end of it we'll go back to those as a calibration test to see what's happened and it always it always works out you know it always works out that they feel like it almost doesn't matter anymore so it takes the sting out um, and it's really, really cool because you can use it again and again and again for different emotions and feelings. And yeah. as as you speak about it, I'm thinking uh, that we did this
1: with the Matrix Energetics. Did you ever study Matrix Energetics? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a similar. It's a. Yeah. Th- that's the thing about these, these therapies, they come through many different people, you know, through yeah. many different yeah. people that are channeling different healing modalities. And there's a lot of crossover between modalities. It's not like you do a uh, an Orion or a disconnect or a reconnection or a matrix or whatever, <laughs> or a, yeah. a theta therapy, you know, all, all these yeah. different pranic healing. And it's going to be different to what you've done before. There's, there's all... because you know there are beings out there that are giving us all this technology as we clean up yeah. our negative thought forms here on the planet yeah. and uh yeah timeline is very
0: similar to something i studied in um matrix yeah yeah cool i mean the the interesting thing is um you know as you use them more and more with different clients you you develop your own style anyway yeah uh, and i really trust myself to do that now i you know it was a bit sort of hit and miss at first you know thinking yeah. oh, am i doing the right thing but i've always Notice, even if I make a slight mistake in in the technique, or or you know I'm not entirely sure where my intuition's leading me, it always does end up in the right place. Absolutely, Um, because you're working outside of time and space. You know, I just had a client before we came onto this
1: conversation, and and I was taking her through a process, and she misunderstood what I said. She said, "Oh, I thought you said go back, you know, send my my vision back," and you said send it forward, and I said. It actually doesn't matter because we're yeah. working in the realm of energy. We're working outside of time and space. It's like when you say go up and meet God or meet your spirit guides up, or you could also say go in and go into your heart yeah. and meet them, or yeah. you, you could take them out through their third eye or into their heart that chakra or it. out through their crown. It really doesn't matter. Like all of it yeah. works. <laughs>
0: yeah. It all yeah. works yeah what i've actually found like with um hypnosis because i often um record um subliminal uh, or hypnotic meditations for the clients i work with like really specific to the the issue um and what i found is actually the less specific you are that sometimes the more powerful it is because it really engages the person's imagination like if you're saying you and you will be in light and this that and the other if that's actually not what's going on for them when they're relaxing you actually turn them off and take them out of their deep Trance. So more than anything, I I will say things like, you know, and the experience of what you're seeing feels stronger. And as you notice it's getting stronger, it takes you deeper and deeper. Nice. And so you're just connecting into whatever they're. I want to come and have a session with you. Do you do them online? I'm thinking with with three kids
1: and a busy business, <laughs> you probably yeah, where yeah. are you going it's to get online. the. It's all online. Yeah. Do you do it
0: online? Oh yeah. The first time good. I the first time I hypnotized somebody online, oh my goodness, it was a it, like they were on a phone, and of course their screensaver came on, and so I couldn't see. All of a sudden, it, the screen went black, and all I had <laughs> was their voice. And I was thinking, oh no, because like as um you know you know when you're working with people in trance you're watching them to see, you know, how they are, to see if they're distressed. Just like I, I'm always matching my breathing with their breathing because it, it increases the empathy and and it really helps me to tune in. Mm. And I couldn't see her shoulders rising. I was like, oh no, I can't see her breathing. Um, but it just worked out anyway. <laughs> so, so if I do do it online, I do say, don't put a screensaver on. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, Yeah, there's a,
1: yeah, a lot of people that did hypnotherapy took it online over, you know, over 2020 because of the life circumstances and um, a lot felt that they didn't want to do that because they were so used to being in person and there was like a safety thing, but it actually does work out. There's heaps of people uploading stuff of online hypnotherapy
0: on YouTube. Uh, heaps of it, yeah. So. I mean, this is a wonderful time. Like, there's so many resources for people now. Mm. I mean, this is golden age. Um, if, if you want it to be, it yeah. Really
1: so, with That's your amazing. hypnotherapy clients, where do you take them? Do you take them into past lives? Do you take them into LBLs, you know, life between lives, or just um, depends. Whatever. It's just whatever turns up. Absolutely,
0: whatever happens is what's meant to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, mostly. Uh, kind of into childhood unless unless they seem like they want to go into lives before lives or or the last life or even before that I mean I have some really cosmic people that sometimes like, <laughs> make me go oh my goodness um and and with those like those sessions just kind of co-create themselves so I've got like some real kind of um I don't want to say normies because I don't want to sort of like un you know I don't want to uh, kind of be derogative in any way you know but I've got some people who really kind of need a, a very kind of practical and grounded in this reality kind of readings and, and sessions and then the people who need to go far and wide and into different galaxies and, and times and spaces that also happens so I'm really kind of bridging it all I'm holding for yeah, yeah. all possibilities um, so let's- I, really, I put it in the client's I always I'll put it in the client's hands.
1: What time? How long have we been yakking? God, we've been yakking for
0: yeah. ages. Uh, and, uh, and you've got I've, to go. Let, let's I do, do just, go
1: soon. just before we go, what is the astrology saying about, you know, the like, let's say, where are we? June, July, July? Like, mm-hmm. what's what's in the charts for,
0: or even, <sighs> you know, the rest of this year? Is it? I, I would say the theme of this year is um, waking up because like saturn and uranus are in a square um pretty much for the whole year and that's the real signature like we've got the hangover from last year where we had the jupiter um saturn and pluto conjunction in capricorn that was huge um the saturn and 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 uranus square is very much like uranus is about young people far out people woke it's also about channeling it's about people coming online it's about shocks and it's a very new kind of force energy and saturn is a bit male pale and stale <laughs> you know you male know the kind of- pale and stale saturn <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean that's- I mean, I've really kind of, you know, given Saturn a bad name there. I mean, he's also really helpful. You know, Saturn is how we get absolutely, um, you know, how we can be grown up as well. He's also about adulting. So we kind of got this theme between being young and teenage and kind of that thrusting energy and the kind of, no, we need to be adults. And so I think a lot of people are, uh, are, right now, um, the people who are already on board are kind of Creating the space for the people who aren't, who are looking for structure and rules and regulations, and there's a bit of a a tense. It's a tense moment. I would say, can you hear that baby in the background going? Baby "Ah." in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to go. Hang on one sec. I'll invite him in. One sec. Hang on. (laughs) Looks like he's just woken up. Hello. He's got bed (laughs) head. Bed head looking for the boob. grumpy um yeah so um here we go there we go there's the good stuff (laughs) Uh, um i have pacifiers on my breasts it's great there you go there we go um yeah it's the tension it's the tension between um wanting freedom and wanting to fit in. And right now people are all finding their place and that is the difficulty. And, and that is actually bridging the magic and the mundane. Yeah. <laughs> Funnily. Wanting freedom and wanting to fit in. There's a big challenge at the moment for people. And I think a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people who are starting to question things now. Mm-hmm. I do think we're, I think we're at the teenage years of humanity. We're about to become adults and we're about to start taking responsibility for ourselves. I and of course, if so. <laughs> you remember what you were like as a teenager, and I, I know what I was like, i demanded my freedom. And, um, and that was why I was out the house so quickly. You know, I said, that's it. I'm off. I'm off to France because you know, where you get restricted on your freedom when you get the moment to take it, you do. And I think this is what's going to happen. And it's yeah. probably going to get a bit messy. I mean, I, longer term, there are some really big implications, but that's a whole nother show. And I'll happily, a do astrology.
1: Show, yeah. I'll happily talk about it. I demanded my freedom, but life gave it to me without me having to demand it because mum dies when I'm about 16 and dad's pissed off. So I had freedom. Here I was, 16-year-old, all alone in the world, could do whatever I wanted to do. So I had the freedom that I was demanding, which was brilliant, (laughs) which was brilliant. Darling one, it's been just such a joy. And I I suspect
0: you're speaking about astrology for the High Self Expo for your talk. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking at the um, kind of background of it and how it used to be um, attached to um, astronomy, how, how astronomy and astrology were the same thing. Yeah, And also, uh, you know, like the idea of can it be scientifically proven? Yeah. And obviously we can't put astrology in a Petri dish. We can't put the whole of humanity in a Petri dish. So the answer to that is no. However, we can look at how we can test astrology mm. using observations and so i'm going to be sharing how we can test it and use it and how it's a practical tool and also talking about some of the kind of is it a coincidence or is this evidence you know i'm going to list off tons of things Um, and so it's just an exploration of that really
1: brilliant sounds brilliant
0: can't wait <laughs> thanks so much for being so generous with your time oh you're and, so welcome um, I'm sorry and sharing... i'm kind of random and been bouncing around my life a little bit it's been beautiful to hear it
1: honestly i just really feel like us sharing our stories really helps people especially people who are you know the contemplating their journey where do i go next just listening to how other people did it is so helpful it's just so helpful.
0: I, I, I spend so much time like yeah. listening to other people that I forget how to tell my own story. <laughs> I think you've done a bang up job. darling. <laughs> you've done really well. <laughs> I was going to quiz you,
1: you about all the people that you have on your show. Obviously, you've got your show, which is the feel good podcast, isn't it? Feel good conversations, feel yeah. good conversations. And that's on YouTube. And where is it? Yeah,
0: um, it's on YouTube. Um, my channel is Louisa Tanner Munson. Um, and then, um, wherever I can get the time to share it. So it goes on Facebook sometimes, but if, if people look at the handle, feel good astrology or Louisa Munson, you'll find me. I'm on Telegram, Facebook, Insta Twitter. I'm an, I'm a kind of, Insta,
1: kind of. A, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Insta too. I don't spend too much time on Insta. I don't no. utilize it like I'm supposed to, but it's just too much no, to do. But I, I, um, I think but i,
0: tell I tell myself about... as Insta virgin, you know, people look at my Instagram and say, you're not from round here, are you? I know.
1: <laughs> but what about
0: your husband's podcast?
1: What's his podcast called these days?
0: he's he got he a show called Good Morning Portugal. So he's gone really practical and funnily enough, the mysticism and all the magical occurrences follow him. so even so he wherever he goes, like he did have the barefoot broadcast um for for years. and then he set up a radio channel to help people with um Uh, additional learning needs and he he did that for for many years and now he's doing good morning portugal helping people who want to come and live here and experience it and connecting people around the world so he does it every morning and it's under the name good morning portugal fabulous and
1: that's on good morning portugal that's on is that on youtube as well or is that yeah Yeah.
0: okay portugal i think it's called as well expats portugal fabulous
1: yeah Thanks, honey. I'll let you go and uh, say hello to your Balinese friend. Look at her breastfeeding the baby. Don't be you be love you. that?
0: <laughs> Solomon, Solomon has risen. And
1: Solomon has arisen. Go good. tend to those children. Big I love to do.
0: you. Thanks for being on I the love. show. Lots and lots of love to you. Thank you so much, Karen. Love you to pieces.
1: Amazing conversation with Louisa. We didn't get too much into astrology, did we? Uh, anyway, I loved hearing her story. She was saying to me afterwards that, you know she is um, having conversations on her podcast shows with well like me with all the speakers from the highest well not all of them there's like 36 of us we can't get through everybody but with many of the amazing speakers she had william linville on her show as well who i've just had on my show a couple of weeks ago who is that you know i called him the real k pax oh my god he's just so amazing so she's been having conversations with people like that too and she was sort of saying Oh, I don't feel like I've got as much to share as these amazing, you know, spiritual, psychic, galactic teachers. But I loved that conversation with her. It was, it reminded me of reminded me of my journey, you know, as we listen to our stories, to our journeys, it reminds you, you hear your own journey and somebody else's journey. And that's the beauty of, of sharing our stories. I totally want to go to Portugal and visit them. Just love their setup. It sounds amazing. It just sounds amazing. Sounds so beautiful. And the fact that she's moved in with this beautiful older woman and that she's become part of the family. Oh, so nice. So nice. And all the kids and the animals and everything. It's how life should be. I was amazed to hear my throat's gone croaky today. I was amazed to hear that, um, So many people are leaving Portugal. I didn't know that. It's such a beautiful place. I was there when I was really young. I was living in the Algarve. I was working for a youth hostel. We used to call us hustlers. I was working as a hustler. We used to get on the trains and hustle people to come stay in the youth hostel, you know, with our little flies. Do you want to stay at this youth hostel? And uh, some English people owned the youth hostel. And we used to live in these dormitories with all these bunk beds. And I was 19 and gorgeous brown long legs (laughs) hustling people to come and stay in youth hostels in portugal oh my god those were the days i had so much fun so much fun that was just one of the jobs as i was backpacking around europe i'd stop in places and get a job and work for a while then get on a train and travel around sometimes with my friends sometimes by myself picking up people as i went along it was just magical and i didn't realize at the time how magical it was just life can be so magical like that when you just live in the moment and go with the flow live in the moment and go with the flow that's life no matter where you are what you're doing live in the moment and go with the flow because whether you hear your guides or don't hear your guides you're always guided and protected and spoken to you know you're it's just synchronistic Deepak Chopra called it synchro destiny synchronicities just happen one after the other, after the other. Yeah. I didn't really have too many desires in those days. Just, um, I don't know the next moment, the next person I could meet, the next adventure I could go on earn a bit of money along the way. Those were the days young and free. Couldn't do that today in the current climate that we're in, in the, you know, the, the current health crisis climate that we're in, but that will change. It's not forever. Anyway, it's been wonderful sharing with you again today. And, uh, yeah, Sue's coming up. We're getting galactic in the Inner Sanctum this month, next month. Well, in where are we? in July with Sue Walker coming in as a guest. And uh, she shares her communication with the pontee who are ETs that have a base under the Sandia Mountain in New Mexico. They've been here for probably hundreds of thousands of years. They live, their lifespan is hundreds of years. Some of them, I think, live up to like 500 years old. Some ETs live for thousands of years. Very different lifespan to humans. So, uh, yeah, they're not so, well, they're interested, in, they're interested in disclosure. Disclosure is happening rapidly this year, which is kind of exciting. There are a lot of people saying that the mainstream media have been reporting, you know, UFOs or you unidentified UF flying objects no unidentified flying phenomena aerial phenomena UAPs they're calling them now not UFOs UAPs unidentified aerial phenomena anyway it's the new lingo for the mainstream Um, but as you know if you listen to my show there are people who've been talking with aliens to aliens are aliens (laughs) forever so it's no big deal to us in the conscious community. But it is awakening in the mainstream mainstream mind through the mainstream media outlets. And um there are some people that are saying because they reckon there's going to be a false flag, we're going to be fighting some fake alien war and everyone has to be scared of that. We've been scared of the the disease that's going to kill us and the next thing that they're going to pump out fear, the fear porn they're going to pump out is the the alien invasion, but I just don't see that happening. As a psychic, there's a lot of people talking about it, but I don't see it happening. I really don't. If they try, it's going to totally backfire on them and disclosure will happen in this world. It's very exciting and we will once again rejoin our galactic brothers and sisters. So, yeah, so that's Sue in July. Uh, Sue Walker and Reverend Otter is her partner they both communicate telepathically with the Ponti. and of course mid-july is the high self expo on the saturday sunday 17th and 18th of july where we'll have 36 amazing speakers from around the world enlightening us to how science and spirituality meet it's the theme not everyone stays on the theme they might talk a little bit about it but everyone just is going to share what they're going to share so it's going to be it's an exciting month july And remember to buy the book if you haven't already bought it (laughs) and have a read of Awakened by Death. Thanks again for listening and watching and please remember to share the shows and, you know, leave your comments and, uh, yeah, subscribe. Big love.
0: Bye for now.